0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, C.J. McCollum Show, where every week New Orleans Pelican star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's the C.J. McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on?
1: Off-season is here. Is there ever really the (laughs) off-season? I mean, it should be. I don't know if other people agree with this, but... I like to miss stuff, you know. Like I, I like to yearn. <laughs> that makes it that makes it better. Like I, I, I'm happy to to lean in on basketball, get away from football, and and then get excited when it's July and we like, oh, the smell of the grass. <laughs> that's my personal feeling. I, huh? I just too much of a good thing is is a real thing in my world. No, nah, that's
0: one thing about uh the nba and shout out to new york city outside with these sirens sorry folks i don't feel like stopping we normally like stop down when the sirens start coming in the background say no studio is my house anyway um like the nba got two months where it's gone right they keep trying to like keep this thing around now nah, summer league i mean if you want to go it's cool right but they they give you a little time to act like it ain't there baseball when it goes away it goes away the nfl is like nah i'm right here
1: dog I mean, it's one of the drawbacks, one of the the less painful drawbacks of capitalism is there is no roof. There is no satisfying them. It's like we want more days, more games, <laughs> dominate more of the calendar, more of your money, more, more, more. Like, can't they just run a mom and pop? A, a, a $25 billion mom and pop, and just like, yeah, let's keep these lights on. Let's chill out. People like us and let's just keep it spinning. It's not, you don't have to own every single month, every holiday, every off season story. It's just, it's a lot. Let a brother yearn. Yeah, they ain't never got
0: enough money, boy. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. Like, that's the wildest thing to me when I look at people
1: like who get to that point in life and there's still never enough money. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, it's not about the money at a certain point, it's about, I mean, I'm sure I feel like we might have talked about the studies There's plenty of studies out there that say that like money does buy you happiness up to like a certain point, And it's like low. It's like a uh, one comma, mm-hmm. but you know, then you get to the two comma area and some of these fools out here with three commas in digits afterwards and still out here trying to make investments and buy more stuff. Like, I guess you, you got to find purpose in life and. They gotta and look for and it. This elsewhere. is what
0: passes for purpose. Yeah, that's, that's the I weird think part. like the wildest thing. This is what passes for purpose.
1: I don't get it, man. I I we talked about this a bunch when we talk about Tom Brady. It's like I ain't built like that. And it's okay. <laughs> and I think most guys in professional sports aren't built like that, but we're not trained to, to accept it and we're not trained to say it. Cause if I'm being completely honest, winning a championship was one of the most important things. But it wasn't the most important thing. But if anybody asked me, and I I probably also convinced myself, you know, like, I really believed it. But then, like, you go back and explore some of your actions, and you're like, well, actually, the decisions you were making suggest that it was not the most important thing, which is okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> like okay. I,
0: feel, I feel like the, you know, my number one thing is winning a championship. Like, if we get the truth serum out there, the farther away from the ball you move, yeah, I imagine that sensation dissipates more greatly, right? Because then out there, like you're going to be on a Super Bowl winning team, yeah, that is not exactly the same thing as winning a championship. Like I love to have some putter roll up and be like, "Well, look, when I won a championship, I'm gonna tell you about the focus that it required." And he was a member of a championship winning team, and by the way, an important piece.
1: Yeah, it's absurd to me, though, to to think about what you're pointing out is we I mean, it's football, it's quarterbacks, you know, it's like them saying that it's all about winning a championship is less team first than a cornerback saying it because the cornerback and to be fair, when you win championships, everybody gets paid. So it is to the advantage of everyone, but it's less so. You know, like Joe Flacco benefited from that Super Bowl run more than anybody on that roster, including Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed's going to or went to the Hall of Fame. And all these guys had great careers and a lot of success and are thought of more highly because Joe Flacco blacked out for that playoff round and was cooking. But Joe Flacco got that huge deal off the strength of that. Otherwise, if they got knocked out in the first round that year, which was definitely possible. He might have been looking for uh, looking for a job. He certainly wouldn't have been uh, negotiating at the top end of that deal. So, yeah, you're, you're right. And it's it's those guys, it impacts them more. Legacy, the way it talked about their money more. So while it feels like a benevolent thing to say, team first, win the championship for coaches and quarterbacks. It means something different to their life and their like individual self-worth and the way we all think and talk about them.
0: So that you you got it to Flacco, and that leads me to some tangential. I mentioned on Game Theory a couple weeks ago, but I was actually very surprised we didn't see more discussion of this in the week going into the Super Bowl. But ten years ago, Colin Kaepernick was a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, and seven yards away from it all, right? Seven yards away from what you talk about being a Super Bowl champion. Now, one of the great ifs of the Kaepernick story is if they'd won that Super Bowl. How does that affect? everything that happens subsequently and honestly i also look at that in the context of how would that have affected him. colin kaepernick yep. as a football player like forget about the idea of the perception right mm-hmm. i do think there's something to, and it just from watching it it doesn't happen with everybody but that confidence that comes from like knowing you a champion mm-hmm. it goes it matters and i don't think it really landed on me until the Raptors won the NBA championship in 2019. And then in 2020, they were in the bubble. And remember, this is the team. We were all like, they can't get it done. They can't get it done. When it seemed to be they just couldn't beat LeBron. But it was like, they can't get it done. They don't have it, whatever. They won that championship in 2019. And then in 2020, they had that bubble playoff series where they had the backs against the wall. And then they look like champions, right? They look like that thing that happens, but only seems to happen after you win a championship. Yep. Right? Like, like, like for whatever reason, that there's something mental. Like, I think I told you as I look at those quarterbacks that fall off the cliff. Like, I don't think Carson Wentz suddenly became like some kind of physically worse players right here, right? Like something changes there. And so if Kaepernick has that, that struggle year that he has, how does that go for him? And then like, how is that treated? Like all of those things go together, but this league is really just trying to act like this dude ain't never happened before. Cause like, as I was watching Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. And he played excellently, right? I don't care about the fumble, anything else, right? He ran for three touchdowns and threw for 300 yards, okay? That's video game stuff. He played excellently. The best of Colin Kaepernick in like 2012 and 2013 was probably better than the best of Jalen Hurts because the ceiling was so high on that. And remember, there wasn't no A.J. Brown Mm-mm. for Kaepernick to throw the ball to when they needed a big play. And I don't mean like a third and seven big play. I mean like a third and 13. They were splitting your man, uh, Vernon Davis, out wide to go make it happen. That dude, there was a moment where he looked like he could be so cold. And I we have forgotten that, right? Like yeah. in the midst of everything else. There are these dudes like him that we just forget. Dude, do you realize what the ceiling was on him? And it really shocked me that all media coverage, not just the, like direct NFL stuff, but the ESPNs, Fox, Sports Illustrated, anybody that's into more interesting stories. The only person I heard bring up the fact that this was the 10 year old Colin Kaepernick
1: honestly was me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the. Um... Crabtree was another guy they threw to, and that yeah, that, but um, he's the eye. Yeah, I yeah, know. I'm just I I wasn't saying that to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to get be clear, I wasn't saying like Crabtree was a true number one, mm-hmm. but I just I remember him because Jimmy Smith had that coverage on him that some people considered a hold. That was had they <laughs> called it another way, we'd be talking about um Kaepernick, the Super Bowl champ, and I think everything's different everything is different going forward i don't know how different it is but he's treated different he's differently he's talked about differently um and who knows if if the kneeling ever becomes a thing or the sitting during national anthem ever becomes a thing but if it does i i do feel like that still gets treated differently because there's something about being a super bowl champion quarterback that just elevates you and you started talking about the psychological stuff that's like you know how interesting I find that stuff because that's the, the frontier that we've yet to be able to ruin with all the like quantification of everything else. And so, uh, not that I'm an anti-analytics guy, I appreciate it. It's helpful, but the people who, uh, don't accept that part of the game don't appreciate that your numbers can be wrong. And mm-hmm. there's something to be said for all that stuff has uh, emotional impact. This thing I, I, I think, um, uh, that CEO that I was talking to you about last time we were on mentioned to me that he was, I, I was trying to like use all my knowledge of like uh, business ratios and stuff. And like, understand how, when you run a company that big, how you make decisions, what are the, uh, the inputs that you use, the processes that you go through. And I was so shocked. And you know how big the company is. You know who the person is. I was sh- so shocked. That he was kind of like, yeah, honestly, it's emotional and it's about feel. And the biggest mistakes I've made were when I leaned in on analytics and factored in how much money we were gonna lose or how this was gonna impact the stock price, and did not appreciate the uh goodwill, the emotional and psychic value of decisions when you're dealing with people. And we see that happen so much, particularly in the NBA now, where You hear GMs or spokespeople for GMs complaining about the players having so much influence. And I think they have to understand that their job has changed. It's a different job now. And maybe it's a job that you're not built for. And maybe it's a job that you don't want to do. So go do something else. I'm sorry. The world has changed. Your job is is more about creating buy-in and developing a relationship where your stars trust you than it is just about moving pieces around on a chessboard. Well, I think
0: it's less, particularly in sports, that the job has changed than these cats tried to change the job and got it wrong. Yeah. Right. That's true. Classic case in point is Daryl Morey. Right Mm -hmm. now. I want to be clear. Daryl Morey is really good at his job. Right. And you go look at the time he had in Houston and everything else without ever having the option to tear the thing down to the studs. He figured out how to build it, build it into a legitimate championship contender. Right. Like. He played the numbers to get James Harden. That was the biggest one, was that the numbers told him there's a superstar in hiding right there. Now, I would also make the argument that eyeballs could have told you there was a superstar in hiding in James Harden, right? You just had to divorce yourself from the idea that he was the guy coming off the bench. But either way, they had the numbers to indicate that this was the guy and played into all the stuff, you know, layups, free throws, three-pointers, right? Like, that was the Maury thing. But Maury also very clearly does not believe that chemistry is a thing. Yeah, You know, and that's been it from the beginning. This was my thing when they didn't want to trade Ben Simmons last year and they were just holding on to it. I'm like, nah, man, bad juju. You got to get this cat up out of here. Like you know, some people you can't just have hanging around. And he waited until he got it. Look, he got James Harden for it. So, you know, <laughs> I guess And James Harden's back to playing at an elite level. So, hey, yeah. good for him that it worked out in that way. But there was a toll. That Mm -hmm. was taken along the way by you waiting so long in doing that. That's how this game works. Like it did happen. And I think as the numbers guys try to get in and just be like, no, 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 this is what's going to work. Those work as general tendencies, Mm -hmm. but this isn't blackjack in that you always split aces, right? Like there are a few times, there are a few things that are the aces that you always split them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in this world, you got to hit on 17, right? Sometimes in this world, you got to look at it differently. And so, I think that the pre-numbers guys were all feel like Phil Jackson, super feel guy, like super Mm -hmm. understanding. This guy's got to fit with this guy. This guy's got to go with that guy or whatever, you know, or how it goes. But the analytics people who I would like to note are often terrible at people's stuff in their own lives. this This is not the only place where they seem to suffer from shortages of emotional intelligence. They miss that. The other thing I think the analytics guys miss that is very important, and especially in football. All right. So in basketball, you really got two seasons. It's the regular season and the playoffs. And there are things that matter in the playoffs that are different, the way the game's called, everything else. But it's going to make a lot of your regular season sample not as important because it does not accurately reflect the postseason game. Great example, Rudy Gobert. right? Rudy Gobert is far more impactful as a regular season player. And where he is like no brainer, Hall of Famer, oh my God. And as a postseason player, it doesn't go the same. With football, where I always find the divide is the larger sample is played from September through January. The playoffs are played from January to February when it's a lot colder. When guys are a lot more hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Like I always say, you look back on it, why, you know, passing is so much more efficient. Why didn't they do it before? Well, before it was really hard because the rules were a little different. And by the way, when you get
1: to the end, it's really cold. Yeah. And people are beat up and worn down and, and, uh, the precision that's required uh, between, 11 guys in concert to execute a successful passing play is a little bit more difficult. The reason why, um, or is, yeah, it becomes more difficult because there's so many things that need to work well. So to have a successful running play, you can miss a block on the backside. You can have a running back break a tackle to have a successful passing play. You can't miss that backside block. You got to get open. You got to catch that pass. And those things are, I think in a smaller sample, uh, and again, to your point, over a larger sample, yeah, that's going to work. But over that smaller sample, it's like, hey, hey sometimes it's good to just get three yards yeah. in a cloud of dust. Right.
0: All that matters is right now. Right? Yeah, like The exactly. only thing that matters is right now. The place where the analytics guys in football obviously have helped the game and made it's a lot good. more sense is going for fourth downs and ones, like when you got Squatman the-
1: back there for example, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we got this. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, that's the I ain't See, scared. I'm sorry to cut you off, but the thing about analytics in football is it's different than the other games, and I think it's because of the complexity of the game of football, because the analytics does not give you a right answer in football. Right. The analytics gives you a way to, to succeed in a bunch of different ways because the game is so complex, because you have offensive alignment and receivers and running backs, and they're all different, different sizes, and you have blitzes, you have coverages, you have all these other things, whereas basketball and baseball there is kind of an optimal way to play that game from an analytics standpoint, which I think kind of sucks the fun out of it. So like you turn on a football game, you can tell if I didn't know who the players were, I could tell you the team by their style of play in many cases. And I can tell you the coaching tree that they came from and they, they're that distinct. But now it seems like in some of these other games, it's like there's one philosophy and coaching tree that makes it really hard and your point about basketball changing i think the difference between regular season basketball and postseason basketball is the biggest difference of any sport regular season postseason in large part because you're so much more uh based on intelligence and adaptability in those situations because the game planning is so much more intense and then there's also a level of intensity that you cannot realistically bring to 82 games 82 that you, that you now bring into these games so yeah it's very different. Football. People say playoff football, but the big difference, I think, is what you pointed out earlier is the weather and people was hurt. But, like, you're not putting in that much more effort game plan wise. You got the same amount of time. You put in the same amount of effort. Those games seem just as valuable. Maybe you pull out a couple more trick plays. But football is football year round, with the exception of the things that you pointed out.
0: And as people learned um, late in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, football doesn't really have – um the notion of like playoff foul standards Mm -mm, mm -mm. it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way like i know we talked about this all week but i just don't know why people fighting the obvious fact that that was a hold yeah like he he impeded the man's progress down the field and to get these video game numbers y'all love they got to make that call that man even admitted it himself that he made the hole like it was a hold. that's what it was basketball no in the playoffs you're right that would not
1: be a foul yeah and I don't I don't get people being upset I mean I do get it the thing that the line that I've been using is it's okay to be disappointed without being angry they're like yeah that sucked I wanted Jalen Hurts to get a shot to go down the field too but then you take that like energy that you have from there yeah man I gotta blame somebody it's the ref's fault like no (laughs) it wasn't the ref made the call he's supposed to make in that situation it seemed reasonable and Yeah, it sucked. I wanted Jalen Hurst to get a chance, too. His two-point conversion play was unlike what you see from quarterback. Like, he looked like a fullback. (laughs) Like, his size and build just busted through there. But we didn't get that. And that sucks. I'm sorry, guys. The script wasn't written properly.
0: Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Peloton all-access membership and NBA league pass subscription required. Hey, wasn't it undebatable oh, that I heard y'all talking about this? But like, they are absolutely have to be crafting their uh, legislation right now to make the uh, the, oh, yeah. the quarterback pushing sneak. They're going to have to get that one out of there, right? It's out of there.
1: I, I got to admit, it's kind of not fair. Yeah. And it's not even out of there because it's not fair to me. It's out of there because going forward on fourth and one is exciting. <laughs> they made that boring that's what i went and got up to go to the bathroom I was like, "Oh, okay cool let me go hit the toilet real quick so i don't miss an important play this is it's like a kneel down at this point one of my
0: uh favorite stories about john madden and like the making of that video game is one day he said he was with like some grandkids or you know nephews or something like that and they were going for it on fourth down every time and getting it and john madden called the engineers hey something gotta change <laughs> like, ain't nobody getting all these fourth and sevens. Ain't nobody going for all these fourth and sevens. And so, they, you know, they, they, I think they turned that computer assistance up All your crazy fourth down because they're like, hey, man, it ain't supposed to be that, except
1: it's so much more fun that way. It is so much more fun that, that way. Who wants to? Well, I guess when Kadarius Tony is back there receiving punts, it is fun to punt that play, man, that he made. He just, I know he heard a lot. But I would be, too, if I put that type of stress on my joints. (laughs) And it is worth it. What I want to see from Kadarius
0: Tony is, I want to see what he be doing in practice. And the reason I say that is, I saw some stat that has him somewhere in, like, the top 20 in the league of percentage. Basically, when he's on the field, the percentage of times that he touches the ball Mm-hmm. is in the top 20 of the NFL it's like you remember when Percy Harvin first hit the league right. and it was like if he's in here it's because they're going to give him the ball they don't have any idea how exactly they should give him the ball but he did something in practice that is indicating man we just got to give him the ball and hope that that right there works out Kadarius Tony is the current version of that one because I
1: just swear he must be in there like injuring dudes you know what I'm yeah. saying it's like when um when they put Devin Hester on offense, or they put D on offense, D on out there. I remember I, a playoff game when I was with the Falcons. We played the Cardinals, and um it was dumb ego, whatever. But anyway, they put DRC in at receiver, and we were in man coverage, and he was on my side. And I was like, oh, I'm going up to press him because he like he not he not comfortable with this. And I knew in my head this gonna be an all out sprint. So he just Outside release started running. I started running too. <laughs> and Kurt <laughs> water threw it up, I managed to to um I think he ended up overthrowing it, but I stayed with him. But it's that same sort of thing where it's like, which what, what you put him out there for? Either one of two him. things. He don't know the offense, he can't block, or he just too damn cold to, like <laughs> to waste a, a rep because he might get hurt. And I think with Tony, it's the latter where it's like, man, we're not gonna have him for a whole lot of plays, but when he out there, <laughs> we're gonna give him that thing.
0: Man, I watched some cut up when he was coming into the draft because I watched him in college, and I mean he seemed okay, right? Mm-hmm. But I like he didn't really jump off the screen. I watched one of them draft cut ups, and I'm like, whoa, that dude changes his mind quick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was going up, oh, no, no, I'm not going right anymore. Like, oh my, i never, I don't know if I had ever seen anybody not just the like how quick you come out of your break on the out, but it's giving them a little of the an in and giving them the out.
1: His body control and balance, and um, and like the center of gravity, he's got all that stuff down. It's like real genius stuff happening in his body that other people's bodies can't do. It reminds me of uh, Dante Hall, uh, where he used to, yeah, used to do the um, call him a human joystick, he's a great returner for the Chiefs, uh, and of. Uh, Hell of a problem in a slot, if I do say so myself, as a Broncos nickelback. But <laughs> I ran into him at the draft. Great dude. Great dude. But also uh, a menace physically. And I, I know you remember that play. It was a year before or two years before I got to Denver, I think. Yeah. where they just threw him out and he turned every twisted. Everybody upside down. Had somebody tackling Al Wilson, one of their uh, defenders. Was running over the other defenders. I, I mean, just Google it; you'll find <laughs> it. It's worth a watch. It's stupid. It is stupid.
0: Hey, did Al Wilson have a goal too?
1: He nah. He just he give off goal two vibes. Yeah, yeah. Like he, got, like, he a goal two guy. I love Al man.
0: Everybody loves Al Wilson. I've never heard of anybody who didn't love Al Wilson. I think part of it also is that his name is Al Wilson. But <laughs> with me and my whole boy George, it is a live brother. IB, used to play bad and we do the fantasy draft. And for some reason, we had concluded that his name was Al Goldtooth Wilson. We have been calling <laughs> him Al Goldtooth Wilson. We imagine he wears loud party shirts. Like, we had just <laughs> totally created a caricature of Al Wilson that is largely unfair. He was just Al Wilson. Now, this is the thing that jumps out about Dante Hall. And I said the H-Town part because, you know, he's from H-Town. But he was in high school when I was. Like, I want to say he was a senior when I was a sophomore. And so I remember he went to Texas A&M. And it was wild because they had three running backs come in the same year. It was Dante Hall, this dude from California named Sir Parker, S-I-R-R. Like his name was Sir. Call him Sir. And another dude that my Texas people, when they hear this name, they're going to be like, oh, yeah. And that is the gentleman named uh, DeAndre Hardeman. And I think, by the way, if you want to feel low, and I think they said DeAndre Hardeman Jr. was killing it in Houston also. But Harman, at least for us Houston people, because he was like a newspaper legend, right? he was like the number one and Dante Hall was there. And I watched Dante Hall play at Texas A&M and it was cool. And he got drafted in the fifth round. And then he got to the NFL and I was like, where the hell was this before? Like it made absolutely no sense to me. Like it wasn't one of those where it was like, yo, people been trying to tell you about this dude. It was like, like oh, I wonder if it's going to come around. It was like a fifth round pick. That dude got in the NFL. I was like, I ain't seen nothing like this like ever. And then Devin Hester came and then it was like, oh, I'm never going to see anything like this again.
1: Evan Hester, man, I found out. Um, he came up to me after one game and was like, "I think we cousins." <laughs> so somewhere <laughs> along the line, uh, my dad's family's from South Carolina. They live in Charlotte now, but there's some overlap somewhere along the line between me and cuzzo So, they oh wow, put my man in the Hall of Fame. Hey, hey, you know why he should be in the Hall of Fame? The greatest holdout of all time.
0: Do you remember that one? I don't even remember that. Okay, so this is something like. It must have been 09 because me and Shannon were doing radio together. It was either 09 or 08. And Devin Hester had that crazy Devin Hester year where I want to say he had six touchdowns returning. <laughs> I need you to stop and think about that. You don't even do that in Madden play at all pro. I think he had six touchdowns returning, which led the Bears in touchdowns. Thomas Jones may have tied him or whatever, but nobody scored more touchdowns on the Bears than he did, and so it was right before training camp. He just didn't show up, and he gave us a quote that has existed in perpetuity. And you probably just don't remember what don't remember this, Mm -mm. but I forget what the what the what the contract was. I think it was gonna pay him like let's call it six hundred thousand dollars. And the quote was, "I can't be out here playing for no six hundred thousand dollars. Come on, man." <laughs> that was where the that was where the Come On Man came from, and they and they gave him his money and made him a receiver. Like yeah. the next week, because he yeah. was that good
1: at returning. I mean, I don't understand how you can't give. A, and and to be fair, it was they blocked their asses off on special teams. But in the same way that that uh, Kadarius Tony return was really impressive, and you want to give credit to the whole team and the whole unit because it does matter. But there are very few people who would have made that return because you see what Tony did. Is you had to get to the right side to get to the wall. They kicked a line drive to the left. He starts it left and brings everybody to him and then freezes them all. Like you can see what he's thinking. Once the play develops, you can see what he's thinking and then freeze them. That's why I said, like, athletically, it's genius stuff and then gets there. And Devin Hester did the same thing. And I played against him a bunch of times where it's, or a few times at least, where you see him thinking and he is setting you up once you you see him where he's starting to a certain direction he is setting you up and it's a difference maker even if you don't score touchdowns guys punt it out of bounds you you already got a 10-yard return because they scared to give it to him because they kick it short just so he won't touch it if they do give it to him he don't score he's gonna put it in in the red zone like that's I don't understand why you would be against paying that guy any money, whether he was a good receiver, a DB, or anything. Just well, go it, back there and catch them <laughs> kicks and run.
0: Yeah, the issue was there was no precedent for, yeah. like, giving the, the. So? He, he. I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, like, I, I, you, you, you ain't got to argue with me. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. I'm go just ahead. saying in general. But I do get it upstairs where they like, yo, like, so what are we really supposed to do? Like, what, what exactly am I paying for? Da, da, da. I don't, like, and I'm with you, obviously, a lot of returning. And, you know, I'm like I'm with you, like, as if my knowledge has anything close to yours. But, of course, it's not just the returner, right? Mm-hmm. But did you see that clip of, I think it was during the National Championship game, when Desmond Howard was talking about this game? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, if, and I think I've talked about it on the show, but if you haven't yeah. heard it, Desmond Howard tells a story about his first return touchdown in the NFL, and he was playing for Washington and they kicked it to Brian Mitchell and Brian Mitchell got it and like threw a reverse pass, like a lateral of sorts, to Desmond Howard and he took it to the house and they were playing against the Falcons. And for whatever reason, Deion Sanders was so offended that he demanded to go in on the kickoff team and got a touchdown, (laughs) got the kick and got a touchdown. Clearly had just decided I'm going to, how do you do that? Ain't nothing closer to one on 11 than
1: running back a kickoff. I haven't felt like that. I mean, from eight to 10 years old, I was like, yeah, give me the ball. I can score. A uh, couple games in high school where I was like, all right, we done by halftime. College, <laughs> NFL, that you just like, you know what? It's touchdown time. Give it to me. <laughs> like, it's just. It's absurd. It's levels of athleticism and confidence and ability that I can't imagine. That only comes from someone who could play professionally <laughs> in multiple sports.
0: Yo, the thing about Dion and how fast Dion was, and I realized it in watching that clip, he was doing all that in the 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 like Paula Poundstone shoulder pads. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Right in the Grace Jones shoulder pads. Like and he still looked like the fastest man on earth. Can you imagine if he was out here, like, look in these sleek joints like these cats are wearing now, how fast Deion Sanders would have looked?
1: I can't imagine it because I can't imagine someone looking faster than he looked. It's hard. <laughs> like, so uh, how can it get faster than that? I, I mean, I, when you look at old Deal, like, he didn't have, at least in my memory, he didn't have. The he had incredible short area quickness, obviously, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the short area quickness of uh, like Barry Sanders or Dante right. Hall. But what he did have was like acceleration, which is somewhat close to short area quickness. But he had great acceleration and top end speed and obviously vision and like the proprioception and like spatial awareness and sports intelligence that you need for all that. But when you see him, it doesn't look as I mean, it's obviously impressive. But it's not like a Dante Hall return where it's like, oh, you know, it shook a couple of people to their knees. He don't have to. <laughs> he had right. put himself in position and and saw a little gap and can get through it faster than anybody else. And see, and that's
0: Devin Hester also because Devin Hester mm-hmm. wasn't hitting him with L one. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It wasn't that. The thing with Devin Hester, like, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, acceleration is what I saw there, yeah. right? Like Devin Hester, Devin Hester got to top speed so. Fast, it was so unreal. And how? How in the world was uh, when he was going to the draft? He only ran a four-four-three, which just tells me he was like, "I ain't got to prove nothing to y'all."
1: Yeah. Or I mean, some people don't know how to run. I can. I yeah. You talk about that. Yeah, I, I had that same experience where I was fast. Nobody was running away from me in college. Play against the fastest receivers. Nobody was running away from me. But every year I would run a four-five. Four, six when we would do the 40 every year. And then I went and they taught me how to run. And then I ran four threes. And I was like, oh, you just got to learn how to run. Don't nobody ever teach you how to run. And we, I, I ran track um, one year in high school. And I was like, this is dumb. We just running just to run? I'm good. I'm going I'm to go try to get some girls in the offseason. I was not doing it, which I guess I could have done at track beats also, <laughs> to, to be fair. Yes, but- you have even yeah. more so. Yeah, I I wasn't smart enough at the time, but I did all right for my little high school self. But like <laughs> understanding back, how back, to look
0: run- at high school going to the track meet, like going to the Victoria's Secret fashion show, dog.
1: Yeah, it was. You're absolutely right about that. Not the JV track meet that I went to that first year, and that's why I didn't go back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, this is this is BS. You had to be there for like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> just running, just running, you ain't tackling no, nobody never, or nothing? I
0: can never do the idea track. It's like, I have to remind people about this. I'm basically two years younger than mm-hmm. the people in my grade, right? Athletic, uh, great athletic success was not going to be the case on a grade level. Like when you put stuff on age level, I was mm-hmm. a height, right? Yeah. But you put it on a uh, school track level, it wasn't happening. But I'm from Texas, right? Mm. You know how the football thing is. So but our um, my class had been identified by the high school folks. This is one of those things when you in like a, a, a town school district yeah. with one middle school that goes to high school. The high yep. school can easily scout who's coming up and they looked down and were like, oh, that class is going to be something. So they came and they were like working us out in seventh and eighth grade. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, them seventh and eighth grade work about there ain't no varsity class. Right. Yeah. Like you got to do this. Everybody's even those of us who was never going to be there. They was evaluating us. So they had, like, basically the tire set up, right? The high right. knee tire set up. Apparently, I was very good at that. And the coach came and told me, I think you might be a very good hurdler. I was like, so you think I'm just about to be out here running for no reason? <laughs> like, when, like whatever they would call it, like, it's track practice. Yeah. What do you mean practice? What do you mean, practice. <laughs> Y'all just gonna be out here running. Like, you know, I got the high school and them cross country boys would be waking up at six o'clock in the morning to run like four miles. And it's wild. If you ain't got no Africans at your school, man, that cross-country would just be wall-to-wall white boys. Yeah. And none of them look athletic. Not a single one of them look like an athlete, but they'd be waking up at six o'clock in the morning to do that. And I'm like, what is the fun in this?
1: I mean, cross country is just to have something to put on your resume for college. I did extracurriculars <laughs> because it's like, it's a type of, it's a type of sport that like, you're not going to get hurt. You know how to run. You may not be good at it. It's not that intense. And maybe there are parts of the country where track where um cross country is serious, but I felt like in my school, my school wasn't a sports school by any stretch. Our football team was two years old when I got there. But the people who did cross country were also the like the, the nerdy kids who needed to be like, hey, I played sports and I was on the national arms society cross country. Give it to me. Right. Like I got a buddy. No lie. He went to college.
0: Red cross country. Season was over. Dropped out. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to go down there and run cross
1: country. <laughs> I don't get it, man. I don't At a very it. expensive school, by the way. It's ridiculous. All your buddy got money, or makes bad decisions, or both. Well, he's he's the fourth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, okay. like 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 he's the fourth. He's yeah. my guy. I Love him to death. But yeah, he said he just went there, ran it, ah, had enough, went on about his business. I got a little distracted. I'm sorry. I know we're doing a podcast, but uh, these Devin Hester highlights is calling me. Oh, no, 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 no. The only thing oh. I've ever seen
0: anywhere close to Devin Hester is Dennis Gentry on the first pro- on Tecmo Bowl. That's <laughs> it. That's the only comp that I have for the Devin Hester returning thing. And I just can't figure out, because he was a receiver, right? I remember at Miami, they tried so hard to figure out a way to, like, get mm-hmm. some football out of him. Yeah. They, in part, that year that they got beat up in the tunnel. You remember that game where LSU yep. beat them up in the tunnel and then beat them like 40 to 40 to 10 or something like that in the peach bowl. Part of why they got beat so bad is they were trying to get Devin Hester to come back to school. So they decided to put them on offense. But it was just like we talked about with Kadarius Tony and Percy Harvin and all these other dudes. They wasn't putting them out there to not give them the ball. And so it just like compounded the whole problem. But I could not believe that nobody could ever really figure out how to turn that into something football-y.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I can't believe it either. Uh, the back to Dion's incredible athleticism. It just hit me as we're talking about it. Is once you get to like in your high school, uh, whatever, even in college, it's like you're a better athlete than a lot of guys, so you can play a bunch of different positions and be good at it. But to get to the NFL to be effective, you have to learn so many different nuances to a position, and the idea that Dion actually was a pretty good receiver when they put him out there while also being a very good baseball player and being quite possibly the greatest cornerback we had seen up until that point without like, I know the 10,000 hours like rule has been largely debunked, but without theoretically putting in the same amount of work at those positions, like that's some special level athleticism and stuff. That's like, cause he's not out there. Like, uh putting little tweaks or at the top of his route and reading coverages to the nth degree and like he's not doing that. There's no way he can. Cause in the offseason he playing baseball. <laughs> right. Oh, uh,
0: <laughs> by the way, in our discussion about maybe Devin Hester didn't know how to run. He ran a 10, 400 meters in the year 2004. Exactly. He, he knew ran, how to run. Yeah, he ran it. He just didn't feel like it that day. What yeah. do I need? My favorite thing with Lamar Jackson not running the 40. They're like, he's not running the 40 for da-da-da die, die, die reason. No, he's not running the 40 because why? Yeah.
1: What is that going to tell you that yeah. you could not see with your own two eyes? Yeah, especially when you're that high, highly talented of a player. Like the only thing that could have done was hurt him. Mm-hmm. for Lamar Jackson, all that would have done, oh, gosh, Devin has to just put somebody on their <laughs> back. My bad. I got to turn this off. I can't focus.
0: <laughs> Man, there's, there's nothing quite like the oh, my God, returner. And we don't really have that anymore because, obviously, we don't really have returns yeah. anymore. But there was just there's a whole bunch of just different little guys. That, uh, you, I don't know if you remember uh, the Ice Cube, Gerald McNeil. Mm-mm. That was a great nickname, called Ice Cube because he couldn't get a hold of them he's like a wet ice cube there's the ice cube gerald mcneil there was like mel gray um you just have all yeah all these dudes they just they were just there to run back kicks man just little bitty dudes and they were fun to watch like i see why the nfl had to get rid of the kickoff but it's kind of like it's kind of whack to lose it very similar to houston gamblers
1: (laughs) oh yeah the houston gamblers i'm watching gerald mcneil yeah take one to the
0: crib yeah, Ice Cube McNeil played for the Browns. That's where I first became aware of him. And he was a Tecmo Bowl legend also. it's tiny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Ain't, ain't no
1: room for that little dude in the NFL no more. with them big old pads. Speaking of little dudes, man, I just started doing some of this draft prep stuff. Uh, and I don't want to talk about draft prep in general. Thanks about Bryce. Man. I'm not a a size type of guy normally, but man that dude small, small, like my height or shorter and like my weight or less. And I was small for a cornerback who only got hit when I decided to hit someone else. Yeah. I am
0: amazed by how readily people are writing that off. Mm. He's really small. Like I said, with the bears, where people, this run where people are trying to make the case for the Bears taking a quarterback, which just seems dumb to go back to rolling the dice. Like, you you got enough from Fields to try to make it work as opposed to trading it in for another lottery ticket. This isn't Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray is available. You know what I mean? And so, at that size, if you could never move on from Justin Fields. Poor guy, six feet tall, 190 pounds. This isn't like you, he has to be Drew Brees. That's the only thing. And please note the first three years of Drew Brees in this day and age, I mean, even in that day and age, first three years of Drew Brees, they would have drafted his replacement.
1: Yeah. They, they went and got Phillip rivers on them. The, so the, this is the two different conversations. I feel like is, has Justin Fields done enough for you to, to um buy in? I think the answer is yes. Clearly. And then it's like, would you – the question about Bryce Young is another conversation. oh, also Justin Fields wants a dome in Chicago, which is hilarious, and I love it. <laughs> I can't imagine how the fans are reacting. All I want is Josh Allen to say the same thing. Give me a dome <laughs> out here in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the Bryce Young thing, man, I I don't know. Like, I, I think in part because I'm a smaller guy and I never did gain the weight that everybody told me to gain, and I, I think, think that we're going to find out numbers on Bryce Young that might surprise us that be different than the numbers that are out there uh if he goes to the combine it's funny cuz like how um how Lamar was like yeah I ain't running to 40 I think Bryce should be like you know what I ain't doing that scale Yeah, that exactly. measurement you see it all you need to see like I don't
0: I don't feel comfortable stripping down to my drawers <laughs> if, if 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 you don't mind you mind if I wear these
1: sweatpants um on the on the, on the, but, on I mean, the, I, yeah, I don't know. Like taking the, it's a position where you're going to get hit, and um, I don't care so much about seeing over the line. Like he played behind Alabama's line, he'll find ways to get rid of pass. The height doesn't um worry me as much. Athleticism is crazy. I think he's a special player. The accuracy, like the only reason why he's not like we're not talking about him like Kyler Murray, clear number one worth moving on from a bad quarterback is because there are some tax that he has to pay where people like, it's going to be hard to make it through the league that is size. And I kind of agree because I know how big I am Yeah, and he's smaller than me. The height worries me because of the weight. And I mean that in the
0: sense that like you look at Russell Wilson, for example, he got to get outside, right? Like you gotta, you're going to have to put him on the move. In order to account for some of those right. sidelines, at which point the weight issue becomes and it can becomes a thing, right? Like Kyler Murray is a mm-hmm. thick one. Uh, Russell Wilson, especially Russell Wilson, is a fullback, right? Like they got mm-hmm. that sturdy build. Bryce Young gonna be out there thin, running them, running them boots, running them spread outs. They gonna be out here trying to get their waggle on. You know what I'm saying? In order, I actually to... think
1: that's safer, honestly. Yeah, I actually think it's safer for him to do that than it is to stand in the pocket
0: Fair. because.
1: You know, like if he's running and he's moving, he's like, there's an alertness to your body and a, a preparedness to be hit that if he just standing in the pocket and somebody miss a block, which is going to happen, and he hold yeah. on to it a second too long and Chris Jones jump on his back well. or, or one of them other cocaine bears that, <laughs> that be rushing to pass him.
0: All right. I'm, I'm going to bring this up as we get into time. And I know you said you're not too deep into the draft prep, but I'm just going to ask because this is going to be a recurring thing have you gotten around to anthony richardson yet Mm -mm.
1: okay i know you you yeah you were telling me about him a while ago
0: all i'm saying is this
1: there will not be another job like
0: to expect another josh allen trajectory is unreasonable Mm -hmm. it is it is ridiculous you and i have both said this he's the most improved quarterback that we've ever seen and i even think last year we saw the improvement might not have been as far as we thought it was but even then it blew our minds. is more than we could ever expect, right? Yeah. But you and I were both going on programs and people asking questions about who's the next Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we're not doing that this year, because this year, the exact same Josh Allen is in the draft and his name is Anthony Richardson. Now, can he become the Josh Allen that we ultimately saw? It's highly unlikely. But if you saw the Josh Allen at Wyoming and thought, whoa, that guy could be a quarterback, Anthony Richardson is him, but
1: faster. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating. And, and Josh against, Allen ain't slow. And against SEC competition. And against SEC you, competition. You don't have to extrapolate out what happens to whoever Wyoming is playing.
0: Nah, yeah. nah. Somebody needs to probably let him sit for a year, maybe two. They don't really do that anymore, though. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to see what we got. I'm not convinced that playing young actually makes guys better players. I haven't seen mm-hmm. any quantifiable, demonstrable evidence that it makes you a better player. But if some team... like it's like can you imagine like if Andy Reid were in a situation where like it was with Alex Smith where it's like hey we got a quarterback that'll be good for another year and then we'll bring it around and see what you got mm. I'm just telling you somebody's gonna try I don't know who it is but somebody's gonna give it a go and it's going to be the most high variance experiment that comes out of this draft
1: I mean it's worth it it's worth a shot uh if you got a first round pick towards the end of the first round, if he's still going to be around, because I haven't oh, heard his stock shooting up just yet. oh no, Jess, you wait, just you wait. He, oh, ain't, it's going, about to, it's he about ain't going to shoot. past 15. I tell you this, ain't
0: no way in the world that I'm taking no Will Levis over him. I have seen that gentleman play mm. and he's a looked apart all-star. Like it's going to be very interesting to see, because I didn't get the greatest handle on Levis's mobility when I watched him play. Right. But, it feels like people are forgetting that we do something different now with quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it feels right. like people are forgetting that looks the part means something different.
1: Yeah, and I think the the important thing about the athleticism is it raises their floor, which gives them time to develop. And everyone needs time to develop. And if you surround a guy with a bunch of talent, and that is what takes the pressure off of him and gives him time to develop, that's great. Or if you have a design run game plan that allows him time to develop then that works too. But I think that's really more than anything, what you're looking for is skills. And then it goes back to where this all conversation started. It's about the soft stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jalen hurts. It's about the soft stuff. He he's not the most talented quarterback out there, but he improved in a way that Josh Allen improved. And, And it's about surrounding with talent and, um and betting on their mentality yeah and will levis by the way scored nine touchdowns in 2021 and had 376
0: rushing yards in 2022 he lost 107 yards rushing and had a mere two
1: i don't know what that's about. yeah
0: i need to like you know and remembering that sacks count against rushing yards in college but still like that's a that's a drop but no somebody gonna make that play on anthony richardson I, I thought Josh Allen was gonna get somebody fired. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson will probably get somebody fired. <laughs> but hey, you gotta play to win. I think <laughs> that's the that's the move. Like I always said about Josh Allen. I said I wouldn't have taken him in the first round, but I saw I understood why somebody else did. Yeah.
1: He's grown into something special. And yeah. yeah the same thing with Jalen Hurts, man. I mean, that's Jalen Hurts is that... one of
0: the great like the last time we saw him on a stage this big, he got benched. That's crazy. Benched. And they won without him.
1: Yeah, it, it speaks to the to him, obviously, and they put around him and like leaning in on him, I think, is and moving on from Carson Wentz. Like all of that stuff is not easy to do. I, I'm normally hesitant to overpraise the coaches in the front office, but it's hard to look at what's happened um there and not see positive from or see a lot of positive coming from the coaches in the front office. Well,
0: here's the thing with the lean in, and I'm a, a wrap us on this. The difference really between Hurts 2016 and 2017 in college was the difference between Lane Kiffin and Brian Dayball. and Lane absolutely leaned in on Jalen Hurts. Cause that's what, like say what you want about Lane Kiffin Lane Kiffin is adaptable and he is going to be like, who's, who's the guy. Okay. Well, this is what we're going to do. And Jason Hurts was sec player of the year and all of that stuff. Highs and says as a pressure. Daybowl wasn't at that place in his journey yet. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like Dayball needed the year with Jalen Hurts to know what to do. With Josh Allen. And he figured it out, but not what hurts. People talking about, will the Eagles give him his money? That boy about to get $45, $50 million a year. They got no way out of this one. And this that trick bag of that second round pick. You ain't got no fifth year option on the second round pick. You got to pay this boy
1: now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like Parker said Will Levis had uh, foot, finger, and shoulder injuries this season. So that okay. could have impacted his running numbers.
0: Okay, foot, finger, and shoulder injuries.
1: Got it. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just now, reading you, the chat, baby. You, no, 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 no. There's something to that though. Like as I'm looking at it, it was such a substantial drop that that seems fair. However, I feel like I've been we've been faked. Well, not we. They do got faked out by the Will Levisons of the world a few too many times for me to yeah. jump in. I wait for some of these film nerds to tell me what time
1: it is. But mm-hmm. the people who seem highest on him are the people I trust the least. Yeah um your fashion on I, I meant to bring this up before i know we are running out of time but i thought what you guys did on the nfl on game theory i loved it it's been my favorite episode and that was incredible and also hit him with that that blue suede Ooh. coat <laughs> yeah exactly like I, I walked out all the people's clapping
0: i sat down and said can you tell i don't pick out my own clothes <laughs> I mean it worked. It was it was hitting. But you know uh, what I'm saying? I Mike. probably wouldn't have done that on my own, but I appreciate uh, it. And please check that episode on um HBO yeah. and HBO Max and the Game Theory where we took a look at the NFL and Inspire Change. I'm great. telling you, the results probably gonna surprise you uh just a bit just a bit i love the um
1: the like focus groups afterwards too like that was yeah. funny too and that's real really good yeah like no, that, that was like that. Really
0: we, we were not making them do nothing so
1: i'm gonna tell your stylist to get you some of them crazy red mischief boots you seen them things that's <laughs> <Just> been <laughs> uh, that's been populating the internet yeah that ain't about to be me we ain't going <laughs> they can't they push you that far scotty pippa wore the red shoes in the
0: all-star game in 94 we all still remember it negatively it ain't about to be me that's all i'm saying but that is Dominique Foster. Check him out on Get Up, check him out on Anscape, check him out on Debatable and definitely check him out on the Dominique Foster show twice a week. Listen wherever you get your podcast. My man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the right time. Remember, hit the voicemail line 860-516-4119. Tell us the craziest thing you ever saw at All-Star weekend. 860-516 four one one nine uh parker owens and Adi Khan handling everything behind the scenes thank you gentlemen remember follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater we are off for president's day so i will see you in a few more than a couple of days
1: take it easy